Welcome, guys. Sorry we've had such a long hiatus recently, but we are back at it again with Kieran's Corner, your team, your say. Now, before we get started, I will let everyone know, as the season comes around, we will be dropping game wrap-ups every single Monday morning. I am working on American time, so I'll have episodes up for you before 8am UK time, ready for you in the morning commute without further ado we have a very special guest today guys you probably uh a name you probably recognize from a lot of the college articles and obviously the college football podcast keith lord luckin how are you doing my friend uh, i'm good thank you thank you for having me on because uh i'm all new to this game and uh, i just love playing football man. and uh, any excuse any excuse and i'm here and today we're talking about a team that Highs and lows recently, let's say that. It's the San Francisco 49ers, but we, we need to start at the logical start point. And the, the start point I start with every episode um, of your team, you'll say, the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, <laughs> how how did you feel going into the game and subsequently after the game? Okay, so uh, before the game, I knew was going to lose. The ball, they were stronger um, and had it really tight, which I found uh, you know, really quite odd. Uh, I knew we were going to lose that game. Um, as the game goes on, obviously, I'm getting more and more excitable. Um, everything is going to plan. We have defense had a plan and it was working. My home was scared. Nothing we was knocking them off, off, uh, off sync totally. Offense was just doing enough. Seven minutes from glory, or whatever, and I'm sitting there on the sofa thinking, it's the best night of my life. It's all odds we've done this um, with a, a group of sort of no names, essentially. Um, we, we have outcoached this team, and then it felt shit. And I really lost my rag. Um, I've never been so upset at the end of a game. I was. Yeah, I've wrecked the front room. This is at whatever it is, four o'clock in the morning. Um, I've never been angry. I felt we, we gifted that. We didn't win that. We gifted that. And that was a real bit of pill. Because I feel like you guys could have, when you come out of halftime, you could have just ran clock. And like you could have just run the ball first, second down, maybe even third down if Raheem Mostert was feeling up to it. Just one of those yeah. like kind of like out of nowhere players for you guys last season. I feel like you you could have just ran the clock out and I don't want to say Shanahan's like a choke artist, but after what happened in Atlanta as the offensive coordinator and then what happened at San Francisco where he had the win in the palm of his hand and just chose not to run the ball. And even then you were one throw from your quarterback, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo, away from the win. It just, it must have been devastating. Yeah, I said he has previous Shanahan and again to a degree. Like I said, we, we were in control. Um, I couldn't stop the run. Uh, we should have just pounded it. Um, but we got cute. Um, I think he just felt he, he, was, he needed one more score. Um, and rather than march down the field, let's go for those big shots. And those were not the right decisions. Um, he learned from his Atlanta mistake. No, he didn't. And that's what worries me. I mean, well, we'll talk, I'm sure, about Shanahan quite a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these Shanahan lovers. I think he's... You've got to look past... Um, it's hard because, obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's taken... Uh, you know, offensive coordinator with Atlanta within seconds of a massive upset there. It's a, a, a yeah, not a star-studded team for the Super Bowl. Brilliant. We'll look at 
would play with Ertzen after the mistake he's made. Um, there's a lot of mistakes that he made. They're not all on him. Um, but he's the offensive coordinator as well, essentially. He's calling the plays. And we hope. And that's, that was, yeah, like I said, I've never been so upset at the end of the game. That really destroyed me. But we were a next ball away because obviously, if Jimmy hits that, we win. That, that's a, yeah, that's the title. And mm. that's not really Jimmy's strength either, is putting the ball no. downfield like that. It's, it, it might yeah, it might be because of you know he learning learning from Brady and being in the Belichick system, but he's always been that guy who's going to take what the defense gives him. He's not going to just be dropping ropes into the end zone, you know, from the fifty yard line every time. He's very much a dink and dunk player, and he's very very good at that dink and dunk. But let's talk. Let's advance now to the next season because I don't want to wallow on the. The tragedy that that was for you guys. <laughs> you have a very strong team. You have a, a top edge rusher in Nick Bosa. You you had receivers like Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel is just so blazing fast. You obviously have guys like uh, Hurd, who is a great story we can get to in a minute. And you know you've built an exceptional team, and. At the beginning of the season, whether it was, you know, MetLife's turf or just pure <laughs> dumb luck, everyone got injured. Were you hopeful going into this season up until you saw the injuries or were you a bit more reserved considering how the Super Bowl went? Probably still half a dozen teams better than I felt going in. But... We had enough. We had enough talent. I felt that, I mean, oh God, the NFC West is so tough. Um, I always felt the Seals were probably stronger. Um, but I felt since last season, we've definitely a playoff team. And let's face it, if you string, if you hit, you know, hit stride in the playoffs, you've got a chance. Um, so, yes, I always felt we had a chance. We get to week two, MetLife, New York Jets, and that's it. Season's over. I forget how many they cut off in the end. It's three, possibly. Three season ended injuries before yeah. the third quarter. Yeah. Um, you've all of that effort, all of that off season, your training camps, you've got everyone ready, excited. First game is brilliant. Second game, that happened. And done. how can you pick a team up from that? Did you what just you sort of resign done? yourself to a, a top 10 draft pick after that happened? Or we, did you still well, have a little bit of hope? No, it's the typical. Um, it's up, well, I don't know about all Fortnite fans, but it's my mentality that uh, once you know that it's, it's, you're not going to win the ultimate prize in this sport, you've got a fantastic booby prize or, or you know, losers prize. And suddenly I want to lose every game, but really close. You know, make sure we're competitive, um, don't get blown out, look in places, but ultimately lose the games and let's get as high a pick as we can and rectify what we knew what we were going to do, which was draft a quarterback. But obviously, we went about it uh, in a very different way. Well, how do you feel about the quarterback you drafted? Before we sort of talk about the rest of this season, <laughs> how do you feel about Trey Lance? Because you know my thoughts on him, and I am probably one of... I don't want to call him a hater because I, I have no ill will towards the kid, but I, I don't have a belief in his skill set. I think there's too much wrong with him that it will take definitely more than a year to fix in terms of like mechanics, decision-making, that sort of thing. Yeah. How, how, how do you feel about Trey Lance? And and obviously we, I don't think he's going to start week. I should fucking hope he's not going to start week one. Um, no how, how do you feel about having him? Um, once I knew it was between him and Mac Jones, I was suddenly a massive Trey Lance fan. Uh, I'm sorry, mate. Um, I don't think Mac Jones has ever been available as the select. I think that was media. Um, I wanted Justin Fields. Once we made that trade, I wanted Justin Fields. We've all seen enough tape of Justin Fields to know that he's much more ready to go. Um, that's who I wanted. Once it became clear that he wasn't the option, I studied Trey Lance again much more in depth once I knew it was down to him and Mac Jones. And Mac Jones, if we'd stayed at fifth. 13, where we were, and Mac Jones, I could probably be okay with that. The fact that we're then mortgage our future to go up to three, 
that couldn't have been for Matt Jones. You don't do that for Matt Jones. You do that, I thought, for Justin Fields. It turned out to be Trey Lance. Well, yeah, because as, as much as I'm not big on Trey Lance, I do very much think that Mac Jones is a very safe game manager style pick who will make the right reads. He won't dazzle you, but he'll make the right throws when he needs to. But Trey Lance is a guy that if you if you can fix some of the issues that he has, and bear in mind these are issues that Josh Allen fixed in one off season. I mean, yep. comparing Josh Allen's last year to the year before all mechanical issues that he fixed up on and, and went, yeah, Stefan Diggs had a part to play in it, but from 20 <laughs> touchdowns to 40 touchdowns is a pretty big leap. And because most of that was mechanics, it, it's pretty clear that Trey Lance could be something special if he gets brought along. So I feel like going up for the pick isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, but obviously you are <laughs> risking something there. It's a massive, massive gamble. Uh, on a yeah, on a kid that's played um, SES for one year, um, some of those yeah, some of the ability is is scary good. Uh, there's no question. Some of the decision making is odd. Um, clearly, athletically gifted. Um, he's certainly not ready to play in the NFL. Um, I mean, I'm sure we dangled me. Um, no one, no one. So right, you know what? Well, He's doing very well in camp. Yeah. He's doing very well in camp. Uh, we know what we've got with that. I think we ride this season. It's the classic Smith-Mahone. Everyone wants to do it. Uh, Favre, Rogers. Everyone wants the, the one year let your young quarterback uh, learn. A very good pro. Jimmy's a very good pro. Um, you know, very um, one part of Jimmy's game that I really like that doesn't get talked about is how quick his release is. If people forget this. Jimmy has third fastest release in the league. That's fair. Um, my problem with that is that first read ain't there. He falls to shit sometimes, and it's, yeah, it's scary watching him pack his pants. Um, he does. He does. He's really good apart from that. You know, if he could just control himself and and, and steady himself again and read and, and not not flustered so quickly. Um, but what we thought was kind of hands offense. Is perfect for which is what we thought why we why I was heading Mac Jones way. Um but when asked, you know, when they said um Shanahan about his perfect quarterback, you know, oh, you know a cousin's Jimmy Groffalo, it's like, no, of course it's not perfect quarterback's Patrick Mahomes. I've just had these quarterbacks, you know. Yeah, uh, they run the system well. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I want his Patrick Mahomes, who doesn't? Um that's why he thinks he's got his version now. Um, we're a year away from I don't want Trey on the field starting a game this season unless the season is is is, is finished. Um, you throw him in like week might... fifteen, just get him yeah, some no. reps. Let's get him some live bullets and see, you know, yeah, see what he can do. But I'm much happier to see him. No one's going to take Jimmy unless some unless a starter goes down. I mean, we've seen the Indianapolis not do it. I don't think anyone wants to take that. But I don't know what we're going to ask for Jimmy, but. Probably too much for most people to salary as well. I think uh, we'll hold on to him, and I think that probably was Shanahan's biggest decision. They wanted, you know, he wanted to make sure that, that Jimmy and Trey were going to get on, going to learn from each other. This could potentially be the best thing he does. Um, Shanahan's point of view, uh, keep me there. Yeah, because Jimmy always seemed like a fairly uh, re- reasonable and accepting guy, I'll say. When he got drafted to the Patriots organization, he knew he wasn't going to be the starter. He knew, obviously, yeah. sitting behind Tom Brady. And I couldn't help feel a little bad for him after he did get traded to San Francisco because the original trade proposed was Tom Brady. And that was Bill Belichick's <laughs> idea. He wanted, I- I'm sure you would have been happy with Tom Brady as well. It would have um, done. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? That was the proposed trade originally, and then Kraft overruled it. And I just thought I I had a few sleepless nights thinking, holy shit, what what could have we done with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because a lot of the Patriots group chats, I mean, there's everyone's pretty pro Brady. But at the time I was just like, fuck, like he's getting up there. He's gonna retire soon. We need to think about a plan. And that Jimmy Garoppolo was in place, I was really, really happy. And then not, nothing sort of came of it. And 
but it was good to see he how well he thrived when he joined the 49ers. Yeah. I know we're going back a little bit too far now, but how, how did you feel when you first heard that you were getting Tom Brady's backup and then <laughs> how you felt after he just went on and nearly took you to the playoffs when I think five and one in his the six mm-hmm. games he played? How'd you feel about that? So I think I think his trade deadline thing, right? Um it was, it was very late on. Uh, I woke up in the morning and it happened overnight. So the first thing when you're bleary eyed and you're looking through your news is, oh hell, I play well, brilliant. I think I'm like that. I like that. It's a second round pick. Oh, uh, that's more than I would have given up. Let's we're out the pros and cons here. And by the end of that, sort of you know, by the time I've I've down and I'm ready, I'm focused on life again in the morning. I'm thinking, yeah, this is good for us. This is a good deal. Um, and then he, he was it six games, I think. Um, yeah, so six games he started. And <clears throat> yeah, he just ran that offense perfectly. Uh, Remember exactly where I was as well when that happened. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. I was at, I was, this was when I was still a carpet fitter. I was doing <laughs> safety floors at Parkhouse School. And I remember I got the notification on my phone. I was sat at a chip shop ordering lunch. And I saw that come through. And I turned to the guy I was working with. He's an NFL fan as well. He's actually a 49ers. I say 49ers. He, he really shows more love for the Rams recently. And I think that's just sort of a glory, glory hunting sort of way, maybe, because you see how good yeah. the Rams are. And I leaned over and went, believe that and he goes who the fuck is that <laughs> and I was like mate it might be the best move your team's ever made um but yeah obviously this season complete write-off really with the amount of injuries you had you were basically putting out practice squad guys by yeah. by week week six even so yeah what are your hopes now for for the coming season given that i, I look i'm not we're not going to talk about Trey Lance being out there because we know how you feel about that. And <laughs> de- definitely, I, in my opinion, he should sit. But how do you feel about like the rest of the guys? You've still got guys like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. You've got great defensive players. How do you? What's your hopes for this season? And I'm guessing it's it's a little bit better than you know six and ten. <laughs> the hope is to uh, win the toughest division in football. Um, I think we're as good. As I think the Silks have taken a step back. Um, the Rams have improved, obviously, with Stafford now. Uh, but Hager's going down. That's, I think that levels them up a little bit. Um, I think those three teams, uh, I think that's, that's a big paper between the three of us. Um, Arizona, I still think, are a step behind. So, first of all, win the division. Um, well, Arizona's biggest problem is coaching. Because personnel-wise, they, they're one of the most stacked rosters in the league, but Cliff Kingsbury can't tell the difference between his ass and a hole in the ground. Well, uh, that still surprised me that the higher that high was was shocking at the time. What, what was he, yeah. coming off a five and seven season or something terrible at Texas Tech? <laughs> you know what it was? It was the air raid system. And because Patrick Mahomes came through that system, everyone... You remember, yeah. you remember in the 2010s when Wildcat was the thing? Yeah. yeah. Miami Dolphins used Wildcat formations and it was set to set the NFL on fire. And New England Patriots drafted Julian Edelman as like a Wildcat <laughs> quarterback wide receiver type. And it just never panned out. And yeah. I think that's what some teams were trying to do. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if, if guys like Lincoln Riley and yeah. stuff like that have multi... 20, 30 million dollar contracts thrown out to try and bring this system over. So I think I you're probably safe. I would think of Riley Mordo, right? Yeah, rather than one of his. I yeah. think it's people, uh, I think, are lumping him in maybe with like Lafleur and mm. um, McVeigh a little bit, where, oh, he's one of these young prodigies who runs a flashy offense <laughs> when he clearly is not an NFL coach and he won't coach in the NFL again as a head coach, I don't believe, unless he, he does bits with a college team. Oh, he was a shit college coach and he's, he landed a, 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 a yeah, a, a, like that. I don't know if he said it. Um, he's wasting it. Um, I don't know, he signed a massive contract as well when they hired him, right? Yeah, it was huge. And I, I, I was one of the first people to come out and say, this is going to bite Arizona in the ass. Because the right, who, what college, um, 
sorry, what college football coach can have their quarterback throw 760 plus yards in a game and still fucking lose? I don't, I don't get that. It yeah, doesn't compute. Yeah, it is impressive. Impressive. I thought, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a very strange hire and I would go, go either two ways. There's going to be no middle ground, was there? Is it going to absolutely stink up or lightning in a pole and it works? I mean, and everyone was caught by surprise and he, he looked good. Um, yeah, you'd be called a genius for it. But um, yeah, yeah. you've obviously lost a huge piece of your coaching staff in Salah. Yep. How, how do you feel now he's gone? Was, was that a blow for you or did you kind of expect it given how well he'd been performing? Yeah, look, he should have gone last year. Um, last off-season, there were plenty of people sniffing and, and we managed to convince him to stay. Uh, you can see a player's, a player's coach and he, the players love him. He gets all excited on the sidelines. The camera's always on him. A very excitable man and uh, clear knows his stuff. Uh, um, we run a quite a complex system. The quarters coverage as well, which I'm not a fan of, uh, to be honest, but um, it works with the personnel we had. Um, but Domenico Ryans has come in and he's been fast-tracked to this. Um, i massive hope for him. So I'm, I'm excited that he's gone. He's gone to, that's a shame to the Jets, but... Um, I mean, you know, when you follow someone like Ace, you can't lose, can you? So, um, probably a good thing for him. Uh, I've got high hopes for Ryan's. I think he's going to run a similar scheme. Why well, I've picked around too much of it. All you know, the, the players are in place still. Post is back. Um, we were hoping to get up Uncle Sherm on the cheap, but he's going to screw himself over now. So, we are we're running with a light secondary that scares me, uh, especially in our division. Russell Wilson, now Stafford's are gonna kind of take advantage of that. We are we're probably Verrett stays fit, and that's Jason Verrett is a fantastic story. Obviously, man, never ever fit, and yet he's had two seasons in his life, one in San Diego and one now with us, where he's a top five corner in the league. Yeah, he's been lights out. Yeah, it's just can he do he stay all for two seasons runs because it'd be the first time he's ever done that. If he does, he gets paid by someone. Um, it won't be us. Uh, but will pay him. I, I probably feel like a Dolphins or somebody would, would pick <laughs> it, just, just because you know we don't we and don't we know how on. we don't know how things are going out there right now <laughs> with uh, contract talks and stuff. But so, so you're obviously aiming for the division win. Mm-hmm. Is Shanahan's job safe if he doesn't secure a playoff spot this year? Right. So he has a, he has a losing record overall. Um, not good enough, is it? Uh, if we don't, if we have a meh season, you know, even nine wins, I don't think it's acceptable. I think a winning record, he's safe another year. Anything less than that, I think we have to look at it. We really do. Um, he and, and John Lynch are so tight that um, like they are a good team, certainly from a, from a publicity point of view. You know, they, they are solid together. Um, as I said earlier, some of their draft decisions are odd. Um, every George Kittle, there's, there's, oh, I can't think of any really terrible ones. Where's Ruben Foster's? You know, there's Solomon Thomas's. You know, we thought we'd screwed the, the Bears over by dropping down one spot to take Solomon Thomas. They took um, Trubisky. They were both shit at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was sitting there laughing at my beer, but both of us coughed it up in the end. Um, there has been some proper questionable um, drafting moves by both uh, by, by um, Lynch and Shanahan. But it, I thought they reached Fayouk. I was wrong. Um, oh, he's a he's a star, and it annoys me oh. as a Patriots fan that the year before we took Nikhil Harry, yeah. uh, who was. Uh, pretty neck and neck with Ayuk, but it's clear Ayuk was just the better receiver, but it was just the amount of... Harry was just a big body guy and he could bully people in college, realised he couldn't do that in the NFL, and Ayuk's just going to be a star for you guys. Mm. So that's one of those ones where you probably could have got him later, but also he's he's played to his draft position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we traded back into the... We traded up here. I think we had a second first round pick. Uh, everyone assumed he was going to uh, uh, back and get some extra cash. We ended up trading up about four or five slots. Like, I, it shocked me at the time. Um, 
catch radius man. He's got proper long arms. He's he's so athletic as well. I know yeah. like that's probably like part and parcel of being a receiver, but some of the plays he makes, you watch him hurdle, juke. <laughs> he's he's sending guys out their fucking shoes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he's the yak king, and he we that's what Shanahan wants. He wants yaks. Look at um those uh every step for target is two yards or something. Um, it, just get it in hands and watch him do something. And he was out for well at least half of last season. So pleased that he's going to be back. Um, he's missed a couple of days at camp as well. Scary because it's groin stiffness. Um, my groin stiffness that won't keep me out of camp. But um, that's something else. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel for him. Uh, we need him help. We need, if you've got him and Ayuk, we've killed. With our little stable of backs we've got. Must have been RB1 probably for now. But I like Trey Sermon. And, and you, you, you've lost a couple of... Uh... Maybe not big time guys, but Kendrick Bourne's gone, who mm-hmm. is now a New England Patriot. I'm really psyched about that. He just seems like a great locker room guy. Obviously, you've seen him more than I do, but he seems like a great guy who can run in the slot and he's very versatile. He's a bit um, frustrating. Don't, don't pin all your hopes on him. Um, he'll make key catches, which will make the highlight films and, and, and the recap. A uh, great third down target, yeah, a simple one. Um, and you go, oh, come on, man. Um, but, yeah. But, as a wide receiver free. Yeah, and then you on. lost Trent Taylor, who, another guy who's just sort of, I, I hate yeah. saying this because it seems like you say the same thing about every single white player in the league when you say <laughs> they're like a, they're a real <laughs> blue collar, hardworking guy. But, from what I've seen in, in attending two training camps so far, he's actually had the most impressive catch at a Bengals practice recently. Um, he made a one-handed snag um, by the end zone and then took one step and dived and hit a pylon with the same hand. So very impressive touchdown from him. The only problem is I think the people in the crowd had never seen like a guy who's five for eight play football before. Because <laughs> a woman and her husband giggled and went, holy shit, he's so fucking small. He must be a slot receiver. <laughs> and I'm All five foot nine of me was sat there going, oh, fucking hell, good job. I'm not. <laughs> and, and, then, <laughs> and then obviously a guy we talked about on WhatsApp, a guy who I'm a massive fan of his story is Jalen Hurd, who mm-hmm. if, if people don't know, he was at Tennessee, very, very good running back. He realized, I don't want to get hit in the head every single down. <laughs> I want to be able to make money and have a longer career. Trans- uh, Tennessee wouldn't let him transfer to wide receiver, so he went to Baylor. Um, great season. 49ers picked him up and then has struggled with injuries ever since. And that's a guy I think you would be really excited to see get on the field, not only for the story, but he is insanely talented. He's the type of receiver we don't have on the roster. Uh, that's why I drafted him because we don't have a big body thirsty uh, catch guy at all. Um, he just hasn't had a, a, a regular season snap yet. He's been injured for yeah, the last two. It's a stain because the pre-season tape he's got out there is immense. Um, he runs those little shadow peaks and stuff near the near the goal line. No, you can't can't get near him. Um, big hands. Big, and basically built like a tight end as well. He's 6'3", still. I don't, I don't know what he's You, you can tell part, he but... used to be a running back, though, by the way he runs when he catches. Yeah. He is willing to just mow people down and just drop a shoulder and say, fuck it, I'm going to get an extra yard rather than go out of bounds yeah. and get a, a yard less. But yeah, we haven't seen it in live bullets. Um, we drafted Juan Jennings uh, last year cover the fact that we wasn't going to have Jaden Hurd and then Jennings didn't make the team. Um, he was on the practice squad. We still lack the guy. Uh, Kendrick Ball sort of made for us. Um, but so there's more to him than just that. Kendrick yeah. Ball. Um, we really just want a carbon kick guy. Uh, we want that to be Jaden Hurd. I hope we can survive. He still hasn't um, taken any live snaps. Yeah, he's been working on the sidelines during camp. So this is just us shitting it about him and just making sure wrapping him in cotton wool. Um, it's almost got to the point now. It's like, well, we know you're okay. It's not bothered with pre-season games, man. Let's just keep you wrapped up 
and then we'll unleash you. Yeah, and I think that's that's super important because he kind of flew under the radar in my eyes. Obviously, me and you and guys who watch college football a lot more than the average like NFL fan knew who he was and knew what he was capable of. So it was one of those injuries that probably didn't phase a lot of people on like the, the big mm-hmm. media, but it was something that sucked for me. Like like when John Franklin III got injured last year, I was like, oh, fuck, he was going to be fucking great for the Bucks. He was going to be Taysom Hill, but he runs a 419. Because <laughs> yeah. he can throw better than Taysom Hill. He can run better than Taysom Hill, but he's only seen one NFL snap in his entire life, and it was just a 14-yard Wildcat um, run. So it, it, it was just... You see these players all the time, and they just sort of like fly under the radar, and they need to get their shot, and they because they will impress. They know how important that is. Um, but... The thing, the thing we do need to, we'll take it back a couple of years now. And and I ask this to everyone and I've had a range of responses from I'm Irish and they wore green. That's why I like the Green Bay Packers <laughs> or the Cardinals were the team that drafted me in Madden 09. So what is your story with the 49ers? When did you first discover them? How did you become a 49ers fan? Well, thankfully there's no video here, so I'm really old, right? And so to take you back to 1985 which is a long time ago you ain't born obviously um, uh, and uh, so it's a we used to just on channel 4 they used to have um, highlights every week and uh, I was just having my tea one day on kind of telly and I was I wouldn't say I was engrossed straight away it's actually I've got an older brother who was watching it more um, and just as you do when you've got an older brother you just follow what they're doing and every Sunday I started watching it and the Super Bowl that year was the Patriots it's Patriots Bears Super Bowl 20 it was live on the TV and we stayed up and watched it and that's when I really was like wow this is something else I was watching the fridge the offence do you know what I mean we've got Jim McMahon with smoke and sunglasses water paint and um, you know, I was totally obsessed by then I didn't want to support the Bears I know I didn't want to support the Bears um, that's just too easy uh, so my granddad gave me a, a token, um, as you do for Christmases, and it was a WH Smith's. And I walked in there and I found a little Playfair American football annual. And on the front of that was a 49er. I didn't know it was a 49er. I had to search for the entire, all in black and white, right, apart from the bloody front cover. I'm going through all the team descriptions of what colour could have meant what I was watching on the on the front cover. And it was either a 49er or a Washington Redskin. That's what I could use from that. And it was, I think it was Dwight Clark was on the front, it pans out. And from that moment, I just went, I'm going to go with that. Light a kit. Uh, yeah, I was drawn in by that. And uh, yeah, I've been a fan for, uh, work out, but a bloody long time. 86 was the first season, then I really started following the full night. So I was, I've been very, very lucky because I walked in at Joe Montana. I was, um, I was about to say, you, you came in sort of at the perfect opportunity <laughs> there. And, and that was the leads on to my next question. What we'll talk about your best memory before we talk about your worst memory as a 49er, although yeah, I think we've we the already one. covered that. What <laughs> what is your best memory as a 49ers fan? Whether it be a great draft pick, a Super Bowl win, or just an amazing game that you had? Oh mate, so many. Um the best the best feeling I've ever had in the game is uh it's the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And John Taylor's winning slant. But that drive was just immense. I'm a young boy who was staying up at night watching this with no drugs of any kind to keep me going. This is, you know, I'm probably 13, 14, and I'm adrenaline getting me through this. This I'm tired and I'm watching this. And I can't believe Montana's leading them down the field like this. And everyone's focused on Rice and it's John Taylor on that little slant. Beautiful. That's the greatest moment I've ever felt. Um, I love the season we had Dion playing for us. That was so good. Watch it. We never we had a team of most professionals. Jerry Rice never got on because they were two opposite people. Yeah. But yeah. someone with that swag come in and suddenly you felt bad. You know what I mean? For the first time, instead of feeling all professional where my full eyes I felt like people might spit on me because we've been a little bit naughty. Uh, so I loved having Dion on just for one year. That's such a shame. Uh, and then when we had um, 
Phil Owens was the same. I got the same vibe from Phil Owens. Um, he owned Green Bay for a few years. That was we had some great games against Green Bay and Dallas in those in that time. Um, we all remember his most famous uh, moment in a game star. against Dallas. <laughs> yeah, oh, I wet myself. That was so funny. Uh, and respect to his, I think it was George T. Walloped him. Um, yeah, it, when him. he went to plant the ball the second time. <laughs> Just yeah. came in and lowered a shoulder on him. I've got some time for that as well. It shows a little bit of... Uh, I I like that when we see linemen stick up for their players. It shows mm. that they give a shit. Like, we saw it last uh, last year, Brian Flores ready to fight Bengals players, which shows <laughs> that that's the mark of a good coach. And I know some people get upset. Oh, they shouldn't be acting like that. But that shows the coach cares about his players and his players' safety. And yeah. then... I think it was Kiko Alonso knocked Joe Flacco as he was sliding, hit him in the head, took his helmet off and immediately got jumped on by three Ravens linemen. And I think it's good to see moments like that. And when that doesn't happen, when a quarterback does gets hit late and his linemen don't really do much, mm. that for me is the mark of maybe, yeah. maybe not the best culture. Um, and then... You take the 15-yard penalty, right? If, if... One of your line is going to stick up your callback and take someone. Yeah, you've got to take that. I'm, I'm happy with it. Shows, yeah, I've shows got a together team. If you're going to let that happen, you're already defeated. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is sometimes it's a 210-pound corner who's going to get stomped on by a 320-pound <laughs> lineman, but also, you know, d- dumb, <laughs> dumb, you play dumb games, you win dumb prizes, I guess. Um, at some point um so there's one thing i want to talk about as well which shows me the culture uh that you've instilled the 49ers you probably remember this from was when you were making your super bowl run i think you were playing denver and george kittle blocked a, uh he took a linebacker ran him into the end zone and he had a smile on his face the entire yeah. time is it great yeah. having a complete <laughs> psycho on the team it's one of the things I've ever seen is, is that when he uh, catch against the Saints, where he's got five of them hanging off of him, and he's got his face mask ripped off, and he's still going, love George Kittle. He's the best tight end in the league if you're looking at an overall tight end. Yeah, a, and, and then you've obviously seen the game evolve from the 80s to where it is now, and obviously people say like it got soft and stuff like that, but one thing the 49ers do very, very well they're one of the only teams now with a proper fullback. Yeah. Kyle Juszczyk, yeah. he's a lot of fun, and you, you're a very run-first team. It, yeah. does, does that is that sort of something you like, that it feels more like football when you first fell in love with it? It's a bit similar to the game that you know and love from being a kid. No. No? No. No, it isn't. I, I want to be with the with the, the new kids. Do you know what I mean? I want us to throw it 70 times a game. I want us to, yeah, take massive shots down the field all the time. That's what I want us to be. And we're not. Um, uh, not yet. We've got yeah. a huge armed rookie uh, in there yes. now. So maybe you'll be able to throw the, the ball a little bit more down the field. Once you've groomed him for a year or maybe even two, depending on how Jimmy's contract looks. And yeah. So it's exciting times for the 49ers right now. You've obviously got the throwback unis, which I'm going to be <laughs> honest, one of the best unis in the NFL right now. That I know we've seen the Browns go with the retro style and the Chargers and the Bucks, but that alternate away with the, with the, it's the white uniform, red text, like the black stencil accents, that yeah. is a beautiful strip. It's simple, but it's, it's so crisp, yeah. I do like it. Um, I like the era when we had a red face mask as well, which we, I'm not sure we're going back to that with these ones. Um, we're keeping the field one, but yeah, he's crisp. And it just reminds me of John as well, which makes me smile. I was about to say, like, is it, does it bring you back to like watching Jerry Rice and Joe Montana yeah. a little bit there? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, talk about lucking into it, but we had. Montana straight into Steve Young. I mean, I just as a young kid, I just assumed that's what that's what franchises did. Yeah, you just assumed <laughs> it was one Hall of Fame yeah. guy to the next. Yeah, I thought that's how it works. Every team does this. We got so lucky. Looking back, 
so lucky that we walked straight into Steve Young um, with Montana. And from Steve Young, we went to Jeff Garcia, which isn't obviously on the fame level, but he kept us competitive for a long time. And you time. had Giovanni Kamazi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> picked, Third round pick, I think. Picked from... in the same draft as uh, Thomas Patrick Brady, which is... Yeah. Turn out for the books there, a guy who the 49ers definitely should have took, and he'd have been a little bit happier going to, I, I suspect. Everyone knows Brady's a massive 49ers fan, which is why the move, the trade made sense to me <laughs> instead yeah. of the Garoppolo you, trade. Yeah, if you felt Brady was was his last the three years back three years ago, um, he added another 10 made a ton of sense to come home, yeah, but we found out he's not human. So. Yeah, that that is the the craziest part about Tom Brady is the fact that he's still fucking playing. And it was great when I was a Patriots fan, (laughs) but now he's not on my team. I've got Cam Newton and uh, who do we have left? Brian Lewerke, uh, Brian Hoyer. (laughs) I'm not going to trash Jared Stidham because I still love him and I still hold out a lot of hope for him. And then you've got Mac Jones who... Physically looks a lot like Tom Brady in that he's not in great shape. <laughs> his arm isn't gigantic and his 40 time is terrible. Yes. He can I'll still be. I still think he'll be a successful NFL quarterback. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks you slot into Bill Belichick system that can be successful. Now, obviously, Brady is being in that system so long means that he's always, he was always going to end up being good wherever else he went because the amount of lessons he's learned. But I feel like you put a, a young rookie in that system, it will still bode well for them as long as they know how to make quick decisions and they're, they're fine. Yeah, there's a guy open 50 yards down the field, but you're not seeing the safety coming across or, you know, be happy with the 10 yards, get out of bounds and, and, and keep going. So, that's yeah, a 49 okay. system. If you ask you right now, that's what we're, you know, we try and get it out as quick as possible and get someone to make a play for us rather than rely on a quarterback to do it. Well, so like I said, that have... release uh, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo's got is a massive help with that. He can, especially if you run like RPOs or something, mm-hmm. that ball that ball's out before the defence even knows the snap sometimes. Yeah, that's why it's going to take at least a season. But Trey, Trey Lance just adds, opens up the field for you a bit more vertically. Yes, yeah, Shanahan said he, we will run packages with Trey on the field. Um, it's fine. I have a problem with that. Um, that'd be limited, and I, I don't know what it offers really. Um, unless, unless we, you know, if we come this off of it, and keep it going. But I just see fences. If he comes out there, it's going to be an RPO. It's going to uh, more than likely it's going to be a zone run. Yeah, I think they'll get sussed out fairly quick. A couple of read options or some... Yeah, just the basic stuff. And I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's worth doing. But... I think we'll probably see him... Maybe maybe if you're blowing a team out in like week eight or nine, maybe they'll be like, hey, come take on the last last series of the game or whatever. Again, I don't have a problem with that. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, as long as you're not starting him and throwing him yeah. into the fire. I don't ask too much from him because I don't know what his confidence like. I know they were very, very impressed with his, um, his chalkboard stuff. They loved um, his intelligence. Um, so he's obviously not a not a guesser. This guy knows um, knows his stuff. It's just one year, just one year. FCS. Yeah, I think so many people focused on that the twenty-eight and zero number, which. Mm. Okay, great. But also, you weren't exactly playing the best competition. You weren't ever really progressing past your first read when you watch it. That's true. And there were a lot of errant balls there that really, really should have been picked off if it wasn't for your receivers batting them down and stuff like that. So I think the stat, I say this all the time, and um, I can't remember where I got the quote from, but it's a great quote and I always use it. Stats are used for the same reason a drunk uses a lamppost for stability, not illumination. They say numbers don't lie, but they do, especially when it comes to the NFL. You could see a guy like you watch Kirk Cousins play and you think, fucking hell, he's terrible. But Mm -hmm. then if you just looked at the numbers, he'd actually look like a 
very, very good yeah. quarterback. He, if you just looked at efficiency, he's the most efficient passer in the NFL right now. Yeah. Which is well, why these, these numbers do lie. Yeah, I had to do the Vikings for our pre-guide, uh, NFL guide. And I couldn't believe I was reading. <laughs> I was looking at Cousins' stats. I thought, oh, you are kidding me. Um, yeah, amazingly efficient. Um, you can use stats. I sort of say it in a way that um, you can make, you can use stats to make any point you want. The theme could. Um, you can, and what you're doing is hiding the stats that counter your argument. Um, there are stats for every argument. Um, it's, uh, I do like stats in certain things. Um, it's funny, on the offensive line, it's very difficult, isn't it? To There's no quantitative stat for you to, to, to produce. You could use the pancake. Can. You've got to be off the ground. You've got to land flat on him. I mean, yeah, that, that's one of those positions. I think you sort of get this from nose tackle as well a little bit, where you have to watch film to see what they're yeah. doing. Like... Duron Payne, for example, like yes. you look at Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young, fantastic edge rushers, but they're not that good without uh, Allen and Payne in the middle drawing tub- double teams and being disruptive, which is like yeah. you've heard me and Raj talk about Osa Adigizuwa. We like him because he is that Duron Payne, just very violent, very vicious, and he draws a lot of that attention, which is why offense like so hard to quantify like Deron Payne you might be like oh we had you know 30 tackles on the season two for loss one sack and you're like it's not great but (laughs) then he's responsible for you know six uh, of young sacks and two or three of sweat sacks so it's it's really hard to quantify certain positions I was a big fan of Malik Herring going into last year's draft from Georgia another one of very limited production uh so disruptive and he created opportunities you know Ojalari took advantage of some of those um, the interior guys took advantage of some of that you can't that's what I'm saying you cannot um, there's some positions yeah that, that you cannot quantify with, with stats and defensive tackle was one of them particularly yeah if you're if you're a space eater you can watch the film and make sure that you know that role you're performing that role because it doesn't show up in any kind of stat. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason, and I got flack for it, and I'm happy to take the flack for it because it was a very, very spicy take. But I had Elijah Molden as my uh, cornerback number two. I have issues with Elijah Molden. Look, go on. I, I, so I put him over JC Horn, uh, Asante Samuel, and it was purely off of his instinct and IQ. The, just mm-hmm. the way he, he can draw a quarterback's eyes. He never gets his eyes left in the backfield. He's always plugged in on a play. My biggest problem was just his size. Okay, I had issues. I had massive issues with tackling. So inconsistent. Um, he couldn't square up anyone. Uh, it ran to him fine, and he, you know his instincts were great. So he could make plays in the backfield as well, sniff um, stuff out. But he would miss so many tackles as well. And then if you factor in the size as well, suddenly I'm nervous about a slot that can't necessarily tackled need do we move into safety exposing the tackling more yeah so i i talked about the tackling because he's willing to tackle his technique um and literally i was like you can literally just fix that because it's a fundamental thing like look at devon white coming into like his final year at lsu he was a fucking terrible tackler because he converted for running back he hadn't learned the fundamentals as long so every tap he used to tackle so high. And when you're going up, like even as big as he is, when he would go up like a a six-foot running back who's 220 pounds, if you tackle that guy high, his legs are going to keep... He got shook off so much. Uh, and that's why I had Elijah Molden high as I did because I was like, that can be fixed like that. Just just yeah, one count. Jimmy Lake, right? Jimmy Lake's a great coach. Yeah. yeah. Just... Uh... I, I still, I'm still liked him. Where'd he go in? Was it third round, fourth round, third? Third round, yeah. I'll say third round. I think that's about right. I think that's fair. I liked enough of him for that. He has my favourite jersey swap in the league. I don't know if you've seen his uh, Twitter profile picture. He just, <laughs> he said, "Can somebody send me a jersey swap?" So they literally just took an old 
um, Titans jersey from like 2009 and stuck it over a picture of him and then covered the W on his helmet with a Titans logo. And it is my favorite. And he's still got it as his profile picture. It's just great sense of humor. Yeah, that shows me there's a, yeah, there's a real human in there somewhere. And sticking him alongside Christian Fulton, if you just like run him in the slot to start with. Well, now, I like Fulton dangerous. a lot. I like Fulton a lot. DBU. That's quite panned out, has it? Not panned out yet. The thing is, we, LSU has some wildly inconsistent corners sometimes. Like some years you'll get like a Patrick Peterson and then you'll have a guy who looks great like Greedy Williams and then yeah. does Greedy Williams things alongside Denzel Ward. Uh, it's confusing. Well, I remember watching Greedy and you just knew that Fulton at that stage was a better player, but no one was talking about it at that point. Um and then the opposite happened. Fulton then obviously uh, got four of more. And I think in the end, they're probably about the same in talent and ability. It's all, it's all up to opportunities given as well and how hard you're willing to work. We see this a lot with players that are incredibly gifted and just, they don't want to, look, Jay Cutler's a perfect example. He had a $100 million arm, but he just, he didn't care enough. And no. We see it with younger players like Malik Henry, FSU, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the country, didn't give a shit, flamed out of football very, very quickly. Couldn't even make a a junior college or Midwestern conference roster towards the end of his college career. So uh, there's just so many guys who work so hard and don't make it. And it's frustrating to see the guys who don't give a shit making rosters like Big Ben and stuff. So, Yeah, Martell is another good one, Fucking hate Tate Martel. I don't know if you watch QB1 Beyond the Lights, but he was him and Spencer Rattler, complete knobheads. Complete knobheads. And I think that kind of happens when you get these kids whose parents are well off, they're the high school quarterback, they they don't really have to work for anything. So when they do get into a situation where they do have to lead and bust their chops off, they 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 just falter. It's been, yeah. Posted all the way through, haven't they? And been handed everything and never had to work particularly hard to get there. And yeah, once you do have to try a bit harder, sometimes they fail. I mean, Rattler, he was a cock, but he's also good. Very talented. Yeah, his arm is. <laughs> it's the problem. You get guys like Jimmy G who've had to literally work their ass off. And then you get a guy like Trey Lance coming in. They're really the polar opposites, like upbringing and stuff like that. And I know he went to an FCS school, so he had to work harder, but he's had, you know, spotlight on him constantly to the point where he, his, his team risked injuries to their players just to get him a showcase game. game, (laughs) When the draft came, so they do Chipotle orders for players Mm. and his, his was called the Trey Lance bowl. And uh, (laughs) I was like, I, was, I went into the guy and I was like, oh, are you, you doing the Trey Lance Bowl? And one of the guys who was behind the line, he goes, what, the Central Arkansas game? And I was like, oh, fuck it out. These guys get it. But it, it's just it's just crazy. <laughs> they're, they're such polar opposites now working together. And But we said it's such a cliche, but iron sharpens iron. And you're seeing these two guys working together. It's hopefully going to be a positive outcome for the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. a team that really has besides that one Super Bowl run, kind of been a little bit of a struggle to find, to finally hit that big, you know, to get that Super Bowl win. You've been so close to it so many times in recent years. It, it just must be frustrating. Ravens loss um, was an equally painful moment uh, because that, in that game, um, we were down and out and then we had to back out and suddenly we're a totally different side and I still think we win that game. It's shocking. Um, no call on Crabtree in the end zone for me, uh, but biased obviously. Um, but we do that. We have these little peaks where we, we look brilliant, and then we just fall off a happening situation can help us obviously, because um, as wildly inconsistent he was, he was incredibly fun to watch and root for. He was incredible. Uh, His ceiling was ridiculous. He's another guy in the ilk of Patrick Mahomes or, or Trey Lance, where he's an incredible athlete with a huge yeah. arm, just for, for one reason or another, could not put it together on the field. Just need refining, just need refining, never really got the opportunity. 
the refine further. Um, and that's that's all political, unfortunately, because um, I think in time, not saying he would have been from the home, obviously, but I've, a bit of serviceable starting quarterback. Absolutely, we got to a super. I think we would have got to another one, uh, but we had to we had to reset it. And again, just the same bloody political. We had to throw that to the side and start again. Yeah, this is a shame. Yeah. But we are getting towards the end of the show now. So before we uh, start giving out plugs, I do want to say thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure to talk 49ers with you, a, te- a team that I don't get to talk about much because, as yeah. we know, boss man Tim hates Jimmy Garoppolo for no yes. other reason that he's incredibly handsome. Jimmy, he, not Tim. <laughs> he's a good-looking fella, Jimmy. There's no doubt. Yeah, um, yeah but there's not many of us around. Like I, said, I think we, we're... There's a lot of older 49ers fans. Um, perhaps, you know, we become more exciting. That's what I was talking about in the offense. Like we are, we're not a great watch, if we're going to be honest. Um, so we're not, we're not going to uh, sort of get a whole new generation of fans, I don't think, until we start winning and glory under might come on. But yeah, but, well, you always get the bandwagons. We've seen it with the 49ers, Patriots and, and teams before them. Um, but have you got any articles coming up soon? Because I've been really enjoying some of the articles you've been putting out. Your diamond, your diamond in the rough series. Yeah, you've been picking out some fantastic players. So I'm now very excited to see play. Have you got anything in the works right now? Uh, we finished that series that forever. Got that training. Um, I love, I love talking to the to the um, murkier waters of the unknown players. Well, not like unknown. Obviously, we know who they are. Uh, but to the casual fan, um, these late round guys and no one they've ever heard of. Um, and we obviously watch tons of these guys and become our favourites, some of them. Uh, so I really enjoyed right now. It was a long, long series. Um, right now, I am watching as much tape as I can. Um, I'm watching just games of teams I see a great deal of. I watch a bit of Temple today. That's how bad it's been. Um, I'm just intrigued by a wide receiver there that I wanted to get some eyes on. Um, I just watch as much tape as I can. I want to be ready for the season. Um, fast approaching. Um, my guy is already in place. I just want to, yeah, just want to make sure I'm on your eyes and crossing the team. So you should have a bit of the old Bernard's watch and you could fast forward a year to get to, to Trey Lance. <laughs> or are you excited to see Jimmy back on the field? Um, I want, before Kemp, before Kemp, I thought if Trey lights this up, um, I'm going to be really excited for this season. I don't care what the record is. I just want to see us be an exciting team. Um, yeah. But what Camp has done is shown that he knows the system so well and Trey is so inconsistent that we're going to be going with Jimmy. So now it's like, well, he's still Jimmy's team. He's still a winning opportunity. We wouldn't have had that with Trey. I don't think he's going to win enough games. BG gives us a winning opportunity. So now I'm quite excited for the fact that I think We've got to sniff at something. I don't know what. I'm not going to say we're going to, you know, we're going to win the Super Bowl, but I, yeah, if less in the playoff, I'd be very disappointed. Okay. No, that's brilliant. And um, your handle on Twitter is at Lord Lucan, correct? Lord Lucan, yeah. Uh, play on words for uh, a sinister man from the past, if anyone wants to Google it. Um, not related to me. I hope not, anyway. Um, I'm not a Lord here, but uh, I love, uh, I love, I'm so grumpy and miserable and old. Uh, I just retweet uh, interesting clips and uh, any uh, round football Spurs related stuff that also pains me. I've, I support two teams that basically keep me in the nuts every weekend. Well, once you've finished with the show, make sure you go over on Twitter and check out some of um, Keith's articles. Like the, the stuff you like, I think a lot of people will be surprised by players they discover coming through your articles and gives them just a bit of an insight going into next season. I'm hoping some of them actually make the roster because um, yeah. I think Jamie Newman got cut already. So, oh, Jesus good. Christ. Yeah, quite hard on that, but there you go. And then you can follow me at the Himbo F10Y. I just. I think I just argue with Steelers fans mainly uh, and Dolphins fans more too. recently. <laughs> it, it, uh, I, I think even our resident Dolphins fans will agree that Dolphins Twitter is getting a little bit out of hand sometimes. Um, but this um, 
yeah, as the season comes up, I will just let everyone know. I know I let you know at the beginning of the uh, podcast, but just let you know, I will potentially have the first game wrap-ups in the world out as I am I'm making sure my weekends are blocked out that I do not have to do anything on a Monday and I do not have to do anything on a Sunday. So immediately after the games finish, I can record an episode, wrap up the best parts of each game and have it out 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning for all our British fans. So you can deal with me staying up till 2, 3 a.m. Uh, and even week one, where I'm going to see Joe Burrow take on the mighty Vikings, I will make sure I still have an episode out week one as well. So I'm really putting it in the work come uh, the season. Everyone in the car, mate, on the way to work. Mate, literally. It's, it's, I am so lucky I live 10 minutes from Paul Brown Stadium. Otherwise, I, I would not. I, I don't want to drive an hour and a half. Like, Paul, I'm going with Bengals captain and Hooday Baby and the uh, the Bengals uh, bomb squad, whatever they're called. Like, Lost, they've got some colourful fans, haven't they? Yeah, and um, I am so lucky I live 10 minutes away because poor Captain Bengal doesn't live in Cincinnati. He lives in Columbus, which is like a two-hour drive away. So he... <laughs> Luckily, it's a 1 p.m. kickoff, so he can he can still get home at a reasonable time. But that that's what we're going to be doing in the season uh, coming up. I'm sure we're going to see more stuff from you. You're going to be on the College Football Podcast, of course. You can uh, yep. mute me when I talk about LSU. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. And me and Keith will see you in the next one. Kick it and go. Kick it and kick it and go. Hey,